Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And I'm going to, as you're turning there, Romans chapter 11, I'm going to give you a little bit of a preface here as to what's going on before we get to our our text of focus today. Romans chapter 11, chapters 10 and 11, has been, Paul has been laying out for the church at Rome a particular situation. And it's, it's a somewhat complex situation. We're not going to take the time to go through it all this morning and break down all the theology involved. But it's one of those situations with which I believe that we can identify because we've all faced situations in life, we've all seen things unfold that we've had to stand back and look at and just say, you know what, I'm glad that I'm not God. You ever, you ever seen any of those things in life? You're, just, you're looking at it and you're like, man, I don't know how in the world I could ever figure this out. I don't know how I could make this work right. Come on, some of you maybe have those places in life right now that you're looking at and you're trusting God. You're in one of those seasons where you don't see it and you don't feel it, but you trust that God is working and you're really glad that your situation is his responsibility. Can I, can I comfort you with that today? Can I comfort you with that thought today that, that your situation is his responsibility? Because he has promised to take care of you. He has promised to, to look after you and to be sure that nothing, you know, harms you, that you're going to be taken care of. That he was working all things together for your good. So your situation this morning belongs to God. Your problem belongs to God. I once had a guy, you know, he was talking in the morning. We were standing around talking, and he said, you know what, everybody's got problems. I said, not me, Jack. He looked at me like I was crazy. He said, you're lying. Everybody's got problems. I said, no, I I don't have any problems. Because when I got up this morning, I took all my problems and gave them to God. They're his now. They're not mine. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to stress over it. They belong to him. He's promised that he would take them. He said, "Take your, cast your every care upon me, knowing that I care for you. And I've, I've just taken that thing and given it to God. So I don't have any. There's some situations surrounding my life that I have concern over, but I don't have any problems. They're God's problems. He's got to figure that out. But sometimes we get in those situations in life where, you know, we, we're just glad that we're not God. And this situation that Paul's explaining here, it's one of those situations that we look at and perhaps think to ourselves, I don't even see a favorable end to this scenario. I just can't see how this is going to work out to my good or to my favor. How many of you have ever been there? You just look and you just like, I don't, I don't see the good end of this. But, you know, we have a promise, and we've already cited it already today, and that is that God is going to work together all things for the good of those that love him. Right? How many of you believe that? You believe that this morning? That God is working things out. And Paul's resolve here comes in the 33rd verse of Romans chapter 11 that in God's perfect 
foreknowledge and wisdom. Like, God knows where we need to go. God knows where we need to be at the end of a given situation, and not only does he have that foreknowledge, but he has the perfect wisdom to be able to guide and direct our lives and maneuver our situations in such a way that we arrive at the end that he has intended for us. And then Paul says, oh, He gets through explaining this complex situation and says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the foreknowledge of God. Paul is celebrating the sovereignty of God in his ability to take things that look really bad and turn them around for the greatest good. And he says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the, of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. And I want to ask you today, has there ever been a time when you stood on the back end of a situation and you looked back and saw the way it turned out and you knew that it had to be God? Come on, have you ever had some, come on, if, if you've ever had any of those times, won't you stand up right now and just begin to bless the name of the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, for turning it. Thank you, Lord, for working it out. Thank you for making a way where there seemed to be no way. Thank you, Lord, that you're a deliverer. Thank you, Lord, that you're a healer. Thank you, Lord, that you're a reconciler and a restorer. Thank you, Lord, that you provided my needs. And even when I couldn't see it, you were working. Amen. There have been times when we, when we knew that our situation couldn't have turned out much differently or could have turned out much differently had it not been for the wisdom and the knowledge of God guiding our lives and our circumstances. God is good. There's, there's, there's situations in our lives that we can look back on and we can survey and we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is good. We're like the psalmist who said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And, and those who have tasted have known. If you've ever experienced God, then you know that God is good. You look at the life of Jacob as he is there on his homeward journey, and God has led him through an interesting journey. It's been been an interesting season in life, to say the least. And Joshua's on his way home, and he looks back over the circumstances of his life. He looks back over the way situations have moved and, and the way things have shifted in his life and some of the things that he's endured. And he finally comes to this place and says, Lord, I, your servant, am not worthy of one of your blessings that you've bestowed on me. God, you've blessed me so good, and I know that I'm not worthy of the least of your blessings. Nahum chapter 1, the man of God says, the the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. How many of you know that the only way that you can know that the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble is to have faced days of trouble? 
But for those that have faced the trouble and they have faced it standing in faith in the word of the Lord over their lives, they too can testify that the Lord is good. They've tasted and seen that he is good. And they know that God is good and that he's a stronghold in the day of trouble and that he can be trusted. They, they, there's a confidence that comes from knowing and walking experientially with God. When we've seen him do those things. Now, there are two, there are two sources of revelation for us as to the goodness of God. Two sources of revelation for us are two sources of knowledge for us as to how good God is. Number one, the first source is revelation. Now, you have a you have source of knowledge as to the goodness of God that you hold in your hand. You've, you've got your, your Bible this morning, your, your device, however it is that you've got the Scripture pulled up that you've, you've accessed there. With, within that book is a revelation. It's God's revelation of, of himself, his character, his nature, his person to us. And we, we can get in this book and we can see that God is good. We can, we can find that over and over and over and over again. This book is replete with the, the goodness of God. We can see it. It's brimming. It's overflowing of a God that is good, that has loved us with an everlasting love, that cares about us, that, that has provided for us, that loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish. And we, and we see that here in the Revelation. As a matter of fact, we look at the life of, of Moses, and we see Moses when he's there before the burning bush, and God has heard the cry of his people because why? God is good. Because not only did he hear the cry of his people, but he provided a way. And, and Moses is there and said, look, I'm not qualified for this. I can't do this. But when I do to go, when I do go to do this, who shall I say has sent me? And God said, you tell them that I am, that I am, has sent you. In other words, he said, Moses, here's a blank check. And whatever you, you need, you just write my name in the blank. And I'm going to bid for you. If you need rivers parted, I'm it. If you need manna rain in the wilderness, I'm him. If you need food, if you need victory over your enemies, if you need walls to crumble, I'm him. Just write my name in the blank. I am that I am. We see it in Matthew 19. Jesus says that he looked at his disciples who were there with him, and he said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 says, Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So we have the, we have the knowledge source of revelation as to the goodness and the might of our God. And this is just the few verses that we've shared today is simply scratching the surface of who God is and what he is capable of. And then we have another source of knowledge, and that source is experience. Experience. We, we've seen his hand at work in our lives. 
We've all had those times that we too have seen the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God play out in our lives. Times that we've stood around and wrung our hands and worried and been anxious and uptight and couldn't sleep and just being robbed of our joy and our peace and all those things. Yet in the end, when God had had his way and his perfect will and work had been accomplished, we were able to look back and say, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that blessing heading my way. I didn't see this victory on the horizon. I thought I was done for. But God. And even though we believe the revelation, the things that we believe most thoroughly are the things we have experienced. See, we we talk about the revelation in here. And we study the revelation, and faith does come by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. But the thing that we believe that is most ingrained in us are the things that we have experienced of God. And the things that are out there in front of us that we know of God but we have not experienced, those things are are things that we definitely walk by faith in if we walk towards it at all if we're willing to stretch out. Now, here's the the trouble with experience. There's a hazard in trying to live on yesterday's experience because it's with the materials that experience provides that we often try to construct the box in which we expect God to operate. Yesterday's blessing is rich, and yesterday's blessing is amazing, and it should serve as an encouragement for today. But it should never, ever be thought of or intended to be tomorrow's sustenance. The thing that you experienced from God in the last weeks, in the last days, the last months, whatever it is, that is great. Glory be to God. Praise God for working effectively in our lives. But that experience should never be thought to be the sustenance that's going to carry you into tomorrow. You need a fresh touch of God in your life today. You need a new experience with God right now. Daily, we need to experience him. And and the thing about experience is that it should be a catalyst towards us believing God for greater things. Lord, I've experienced you at this level, but I know there's more. I know there's more. And you know what? One of my points in today's message, if you were looking at my notes, one of my points that I want to emphasize is actually the punctuation in this verse. I want to emphasize here the exclamation point. Because if you have a good Bible, and most of the translations that I look through actually punctuate this, uh, regardless of the rendering, it's generally punctuated the same way, and that is that the sentences here end with an exclamation point. 
Paul writes and writes to the church and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Come on, somebody. That's what he says there at the end of it. Okay. That's what that, that, that's church speak for the exclamation point, right? As we as you get there, oh, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Come on, somebody. That's what that means. Anytime you see that there, it's just, it's what it means. Because we're to celebrate and we're to rejoice together in the goodness of God that we have seen. In the situations that he has turned around. In the situations that he has worked out. And and we do and we should celebrate everything that we have seen come from the hand of the Lord. And I emphasize this because sometimes I believe that the point of celebration is where we unwittingly begin to construct the boxes that provide the parameters for how God can move in our lives. We're so enthralled with and so excited by what God has done that we expect a perpetual repeat of the same thing over and over and over again. Are you with me? And, and we sing, do it again. And we should sing, do it again. Oh, yes, we should sing, do it again. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Right? Great. Except what if this time God doesn't intend to crumble the wall? What if God gives you the strength to climb, to mount, to get over, and to go in? I mean, but just because he did it that way then doesn't mean that's exactly what he's going to do now. But because we experienced it that way then, we've constructed the box and said, okay, this is how God moves. This is the way this happens. This is, this is what's going on. Because we've seen God do it before, we not only know that he can, but with that, we think we also know how he's going to do it this time. Oh, you thought you knew. You thought you knew. And what we should not do, however, is assign to God the methods by which he is supposed to move in our lives. If you remember the Old Testament, there were two different temples that were constructed. There was, there was Solomon's temple, and according to the, to the recounting of that, it was a grand and glorious edifice. It was, a, it was an amazing thing, and just, you know, it was, it was wonderful what God had did in the midst of his people. And then there was also Zerubbabel's temple. The, the Solomon's temple was destroyed. Zerubbabel went in, rebuilt, rebuilt the temple again. He built according to the instruction of the Lord for that time, for that season, for that era. But Zerubbabel's temple was the second one constructed, and it was not as grand in the eyes of the people as the previous. In Ezra chapter 3, we read these words, and it it gives a, a mingled accounting here of what was going on. Because there were two generations of people there present in that day. There was the generation of people who had seen the way that God had moved in the past and how he was moving in the present 
they, were, they had that comparison, that experiential comparison. And then there were a group of people there who had not seen the former way of God moving. And Ezra chapter 3 gives us this, this, this response here of the people to the way God was moving in the time of Zerubbabel when he rebuilt the temple. And it says this, But many of the priests and the Levites, the heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. But yet many shouted aloud for joy. Many people shouted aloud for joy. And the difference was experience. I've seen God move. I know what this is supposed to look like in my life. It's supposed to be instantaneous deliverance. It's supposed to be instantaneous provision. It's supposed to be an instantaneous healing. It's supposed to be all of these things that we've got formulated in our mind of exactly how God is supposed to move. And sometimes we can't discern the moving of God in the present because we can't get beyond how he moved in the past. We're stuck at the first exclamation point. We're still rejoicing, and we should rejoice in what God has done. But what God has done is never intended to be the sustenance for where we're going tomorrow or even where we're living today. We need God for a fresh thing, for a new thing, a a new thing in our lives. And the difference in responses here in Ezra was their experience. Those who had seen God's way of doing a thing in the past and those who were not satisfied with what God was doing in the present. Now, I actually emphasize the punctuation in this verse because if you'll notice with me, there are two exclamation points in this verse. Two exclamation points in this verse. It's the one there, if you'll pull that back up on the screen for me there real quick. It's the one at the end of the first sentence. But then there's another sentence beyond it that ends with an exclamation point as well. And and basically, if I can give you the synopsis of this, is that Paul's saying, hey, we're really excited about what God has done in the past. But he's also the God that does exceeding abundantly above everything that we ask or think. And I'm just as excited about what God is getting ready to do that I've never seen him do before as I am the thing that he's already done. God, however you want to move in my life, have your way. It might not look like it did a decade ago. It may not look like it did a week ago. But God, I want to step out by faith and I I want to walk in the new thing that Pastor Lisa encouraged us about earlier today. I want to walk in that new thing. I want to pursue you. I want to follow you into new dimension and new territory and new depth of the Spirit. And God, don't let me put you in the box of yesterday as I'm looking to you for blessing today. Our problem, though, with the new thing is that the new thing stretches our faith. 
because we really have faith in what we've seen. But not as much faith in the thing that's been revealed to us. Oh, uh uh-uh. Mm-mm. God, you're, you're making me uncomfortable with this new thing. I'm not familiar with the new thing. I haven't seen the new thing. But Paul says here, listen, hey, you got to be just as excited about the new thing as you are the old thing, amen? You, you thought you knew. You thought you knew just because you've been serving the Lord for many, many years, just because you've seen him do a thing before. You thought you knew how God was going to work in your situation. You thought you knew how God was going to answer your prayer or provide for your needs. You thought you knew exactly what the worship service might have looked like or what the outcome would have been. But I want to tell you something, church. God is wanting to do a new thing in the midst of his people God is wanting to do a new thing in this generation but we've got to let go and let God be God and let God operate in sovereignty and let him move in our lives and lead us into that new thing that we've not seen before because Paul says how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past our finding out. His ways are higher than our ways. His, his understanding is so much greater and so much deeper than ours. And he knows exactly where he's leading you to. He knows exactly what he's trying to develop in you, what he's trying to birth in you and through you. But it might take a different route than it has ever taken before. But you've got to trust God and lean hard into his grace and step out by faith and follow the Lord and rejoice in the new thing that God is doing and wanting to do in your life. Again, if you're following the punctuation, both of these sentences end with an exclamation point. I'm excited about what God has done. Are you? Jesus, help me. I'm excited about what God has done. I I know, however, that I don't know what I don't know. And what I don't know is how much more of God there is. And I can never come I'm sorry, I phrased that wrong. I should never come and occupy space on a church pew or face a situation in my life or deal with circumstance and situation in my life with the presupposition of exactly what God is going to do because I put him in the little box of how I have experienced him in the past. I'm not, I'm not teaching you anything new age. I'm not teaching you anything weird. I know there's a consistency with God. I know all of that, but I'm telling you that, that too often times we put an infinite God in the finite box of our own experience. Just because of the way that we have observed him move in the past or in some other situation, our anticipation, expectation is that he's going to do the exact same thing again in the exact same way. 
But you know, in the wilderness, when his people were thirsting, at one point he told Moses, I want you to go and strike the rock. And then in the next instance, he said, Moses, I want you to go and speak to the rock. But Moses had it all figured out because he knew how God moved. So in both instances, he struck the rock. And because in both instances he struck the rock, he was prohibited from entering the promised land. The land of abundance and fullness. Now, I'm wondering in that how many times, because we've got God all figured out, and we've got him hemmed into our little box, and we've got our religious constructs, and we know exactly how God works and how he's supposed to move, and we can't receive anything outside those parameters. I wonder exactly how many of us there are that aren't experiencing the fullness and the abundance that God has in store for us today. How many of us aren't walking in the blessing? How many of us aren't walking in... victory because we can't see God doing the thing we're still stuck on line one where we're walking around the wall thinking by now they were gonna fall and God is trying to just blow a little hole in the side and let us walk through and we keep walking by it oblivious want you to stand with me this morning There are so many times, so many lessons, so many points in the New Testament, especially that the Apostle Paul teaches us this very principle. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that we can ask or think. There's one. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Celebrate what God has done. Celebrate the thing that we've not even seen him do, that we can't even comprehend that he's about to do, but just celebrate the omnipotence of God and his ability. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read these words. But I has not seen, nor ear heard, Neither has it entered into the heart of those who, uh, the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. You know, you came in here this morning and you were trusting God and you were believing God for something in your life. And your expectation is that God's just going to do it a certain way. And you're wondering why God hasn't moved in that exact same way again this time. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is sometimes we can get so accustomed to God doing a certain thing a certain way We can get so accustomed to God moving in the church in a certain way that we don't even hardly need the Holy Spirit anymore. We can just get, you know, get excited about something and and just... But I want to tell you something. God wants to do a new thing in your life, and he wants to do new things in your life upon which you are dependent for the Spirit of God to guide you into and through. 
God wants to do a deeper work in your life that you are on your face before God every day saying, God, lead me deeper. God, take me deeper than I've ever been before. Lord, I'm going to submit this situation to you and I'm going to walk by faith in a way like never before. And all along the way, I'm going to rejoice in you, the God who calls things that are not as though they are because I know that your ways are unsearchable and beyond my finding out. And God, even here in the darkness of my trial, I'm going to celebrate you and I'm going to worship you because you are worthy and you are able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that we ask or think. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to issue this simple invitation this morning to say to you that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is that day. I'm telling you there's more of him than you've ever understood. Sadly, there's more of him than you've ever seen observing the life of his church. And he's waiting for you today and he's calling out to you and you can leave this place today changed. You can leave this place delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. You who are watching at home, you can give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ right now and find a new lease on life and the assurance of an eternity in heaven with him. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me and would you believe God with me for salvation today? Just slip a hand up wherever you are. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe God together. Amen. Then beyond that, look at me. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I want God to do this is not about somebody praying for you. This is not about any kind of antics or anything else. It's just simply expressing a hunger to go deeper with God. Saying, Lord, I want, I want that new thing. I want that new thing that Pastor Lisa talked about earlier in the service. I want that so desperately. And God, I need you to help me set aside any presupposition that I have about how that's supposed to look in my own life. And I, I need you to guide me. I need you to reveal to me by your Holy Spirit exactly what you're doing in my life. I need you in a greater way than I've ever needed you before. I desire you in a deeper measure than ever before. I know it's unsearchable, but I want to do the best I can to find it out and to know you in a way like never before. If that's you, and that should be all of us, I want to invite you to make a bold step of faith right now and just declare that before the Lord and step out from where you are and come and gather around this altar right now and stretch hands towards heaven and say, Father, I'm here to receive. I'm here to receive, Lord. I'm here to release. I'm here to release 
my, my ideas about you, Lord, and, and the, the boxes I've constructed around you, Lord. And I'm here to declare that you are greater even than my understanding of what I'm going through. I'm here to declare today that you are greater than the problem I face. You are greater than any situation or circumstance that I'm going through right now. I'm here to declare that I know there's more of you and I am desirous for you to move in my life. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.